Hello, and welcome to the Tai Chi Notebook Podcast. My name is Graham Barlow, and I've been practicing martial arts for over 25 years now. This is a podcast where I talk to the people I find most interesting and intriguing in the world of martial arts. My guest today is my first from the world of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He's Estonian Jiu-Jitsu coach, Preet Mikkelsen. For over 15 years now, Preet has been pioneering an innovative and logical defensive style of Jiu-Jitsu that has taken the BJJ world by storm. In fact, he's just back from running a training camp held in a castle in Italy. His seminars are sold out until mid-June next year. So it was great to grab some of his precious time and catch up with him before he jetted off to his next training camp. Here we talk about everything to do with defensive jiu-jitsu, training methods and technical innovations. So, let's get straight to it. Here's the turtle master himself, Preet Mikkelsen. Hi Preet, how are you? I'm doing good, I'm awesome, thank you, how are you? Yeah, not bad. Um, I'm really (laughs) pleased to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much for doing this. Um, I know you're very busy at the moment, so um, I really appreciate you giving me a bit of your time. Uh, working around your new baby uh, son yeah. as well. Yes, it's it's uh, it's um, it's manageable, but it has his like you know hard angle, so to speak. Or there's yeah. uh, the time has to be uh, managed more efficiently now. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember when I had uh, kids the same age, my my brain turned to mush for about five years. So um, you're doing very well. <laughs> yeah. So I have a I can cheat a little bit because I travel. So. So I can get a little bit sleep and everything. So my wife has it has it a little bit harder, but but mm. but yeah. So it it is what it is. So good. So this podcast is normally about well, so far it's been about Chinese martial arts, and this is the first time we've done something um, on Brazilian jiu jitsu. So I'm really pleased about that. I appreciate um, but that. But I know, yeah, and I noticed recently you posted a picture of yourself when you were much younger. Yeah, in um, full uniform, doing Chinese martial arts. Yeah, and uh, that that was your background. You know, I, I I was I was a Tai Chi teacher. You know that. Oh right, okay. Yeah, yeah. So me it too. Was a, me actually, too. <laughs> I I checked out your uh, podcast page and I saw a lot of Tai Chi stuff. I was like, okay, uh, how come you contacted me? But uh, so, uh, do you want to hear a story? I guess yeah. Yeah, I want to yeah. find out about what your background was. Yeah. yeah so I started. I was 17. I did a lot of, you know, basketball and stuff. But in 17, I started martial arts. So I started with karate. Uh, I guess it was called Shotokan. Uh, but mm. our coach was really influenced by by Chinese arts, and learned himself from books or whatever. I don't know, like some Tai Chi mm. stuff and some Wing Chun elements, and and so we had some Tai Chi teachers visiting Estonia. It was like, um, it was. I don't know. It wasn't big, but there was clearly interest. You know, those in, in, they call it internal arts. You know, so we yeah. did a lot of forms with the uh, and also them. I think the outfit also represents that a bit. That that the club where where that that club it was. It was in the end. It was like mixture of things. I don't think I don't think we got the respect from other, let's say even pure Tai Chi stuff or pure karate schools because. I guess the, um, when the coach was alive, it was somewhat respected because mm. it was a legendary coach in Estonia. But then after he passed away uh, with a, a, what's the call it, like something, uh, a blood vessel exploded in his head. Uh, so uh, annual, Aneurysm. Yeah, aneurysm. Yeah, I, was, I was thinking about the word. So the club was given to me because I guess I was a young, enthusiastic guy. And um, I had to, I think it was a too big burden anyway, looking back, but but then kind of as much as I remember, then I was looking for a way, you know, a little bit to educate myself or whatever, because uh, at the time I did karate, uh, uh, you know, I was always kind of, I don't know, introvert. I didn't have all much much social group, so my social group was a, was a karate class. I didn't mm-hmm. have much friends and... Uh, so I did also Aikido at the same time. Like I, maybe it was um, Monday, Wednesday was a karate or something, and Tuesday, Thursday was Aikido, 
I did, uh, I, have, I have like a fourth queue or maybe even, not, not I didn't do the exam, but I was, I think, ready for a third queue, whatever, mm. uh, in Aikido. And then I don't know what, how it happened, but I also went to some Tai Chi. Actually, the, the guy that traveled to Estonia that I, I guess, was under a bit was uh, Scott Trodell. He, he was having like a Michu and Tai Chi Chuan. And he yeah, was, I know him. and he was a guy that I guess tried to revive the old style and stuff. And he traveled to Estonia basically every year, at least once. And uh, we did a lot of forms. So uh, in some point, I was, I was also teaching Tai Chi. Like we did some form exercises and all, all the holding the arms in front of you and that, and uh, whatever we did. So uh, I, yeah, I think I did it many years actually, and uh, so that was interesting history. And then. Then I think I ended up before I quit uh, quit at that side of my life was I moved to Wing Chun uh, yeah. because it was I guess I was more interested of fighting or something and then uh, Wing Chun was very aggressive when it's advertising mm. you know thumbs in the eye and nut kicks and elbows to the face and <laughs> so it was like as a younger person I was like oh this is so cool and their demonstration was always very brutal. Yeah, and flashy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I did that. I was running uh, that, I guess, uh, many, many years. I did Wing Chun, I think, six years or something. But then I ended up leaving. The last coach was a Lithuanian one. I was in doing like Madai, Madai Norbert Eastern European Wing Chun Association. It, was a, it wasn't a, in Germany, it was a Kerspert uh, under Leon Ting. And the Madai Norbert mm. was also under Leong Ting, but with a, it was Eastern European. It was considered like more purer, so to speak, the Chinese Wing yeah. Chun. Uh, and then I ended up leaving Wing Chun also because uh, there was a pyramid scheme. It was uh, <laughs> basically a young kid telling me how to live. And I had to yeah. lie to my students and everything else to keep the information from them because they hadn't, hadn't paid for that. And there were some goofy rules. And mm. um, so and I ended up leaving 2005, February, and then opening up uh, actually Jiu-Jitsu Club because at the time we did Wing Chun, another Wing Chun coach, was a, he had a Sambo background. One Russian guy was doing Wing Chun with me, another city. Mm. So he was a Russian, uh, a Russian Sambo background. And so he was like, yeah, Wing Chun is good in stand-up, but you need groundwork. And, and I, I right away liked it. So we did both, we did Wing Chun and you know, ground fighting, and then ended up leaving. And then we just, okay, it was like we saw the race crazies and stuff, and so the rest is history, kind of. Yeah, yeah. So that's very short, uh, like, <laughs> yeah. intro. That do was, yeah. Do you still do Tai Chi yourself? And no. Um, my friend, uh, I, do, uh, I don't do those arts anymore, but I'd say the most... I, I think I still have coordination and some some memory of the forms uh, mm. of the Michuan. And then I know my friend has a wooden dummy at home. So we haven't spoken to him for a while, but I know if I visit him or visited him years back, then I always had to do some moves on a wooden dummy because yeah. it was just so cool to just do it. Yeah, So right now I don't do... Yeah, that side is... Uh, that side is... Uh, not, not not active in my life at the moment and I, I, I do my research in jiu-jitsu and, and travel and uh, raise a kid and so that takes mostly my time so I don't have anything yeah, yeah. beside that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm similar to you that I started in Chinese arts and then, um, you know, discovered uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu at some point and I uh, thought, wow, this is great. <laughs> um, but I've always kept my Tai Chi practice sort of in the background, you know, just for me. Um, cause, but I am a, I'm a bit older and it, I, I do find it helps with the recovery okay. between, between lessons. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah. yeah, I'm about 50. So, uh, so may, maybe you'll look when, when you get to my age, maybe you'll, yeah. you'll think, oh, maybe I'll just break out that form again now and again. <laughs> yeah. Right now what comes to like recovery stuff, I try to, uh, lift weights and stuff. So it's not, jiu-jitsu is very unsymmetrical. It kind of, mm. uh, you know, where, yeah. where wears and tears the body not equally and so i'm trying to run it's harder now with the baby and all the right now in the schedule is very heavy traveling so it's harder at the moment but i will still do it and then lifting weights so those are one of the one trains the heart 
makes it bigger and then I specifically train cardio like running close to my aerobic threshold and mm -hmm. uh, then lifting weights kind of keeps you know joints and muscles and everything else more symmetrically uh, like you know under pressure or something yeah nice yeah so um so i tend to think of what 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 uh what preet offers to the world of jiu-jitsu is kind of two things there's the the technical defensive jiu-jitsu that you've innovated but there's also your your kind of a uh, your challenges to the conventional way of thinking and doing things in jiu-jitsu um and you've talked a lot about that on other podcasts so i, I kind of just wanted to stick to the technical yeah. def defensive stuff um you did a great talk actually about the way how we what we train in jiu-jitsu you know it's not necessarily the best way to do things and we should do it more like a sport and less like a martial art that's it's a, a talk on youtube so if anyone wants to check yeah, yeah. Out, it's I'd iceland camp recommend I think, yeah it. yeah a globetrotters camp yeah yeah, yeah 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 um i'll put a link in the show notes to that cool um but talking about the the technical innovations yes um what normally happens in jiu-jitsu is uh the way it's supposed to work is somebody does something new in a competition and everyone goes, wow, that's really cool. And that idea spreads almost from the, the top down, from the, like the elite level down to the local clubs. And it seems to me that your stuff is more of a grassroots sort of movement. It's been propagated by a, via like Globetrotters and YouTube videos and people have picked it up at the kind of local gym level yeah. and that's where you find most of the innovation so wh why 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 don't we see your defensive stuff happening at the the higher level in jiu-jitsu and why is it so popular at this sort of local level do you think uh i would uh, i would cockily predict we will see it in some point mm -hmm. uh, if i if i end up being let's call it right yeah, uh, yeah. in that quotation marks said word uh, if I end up being right, then we will see it. And but um, also, let's say um, I think my my thing talks more to everyday person. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you competitor, yeah, but it's cool to see those competitors. But most people are not, you know, close in uh, like um, like let's say they're not they're not shape uh, their shape is not close to the competitor. It's cool to see what the best of us can do, but still the average jiu-jitsu player is older, you know, 30s, whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, and then I think my stuff, um, like, accidentally speaks to that, that those kind of people that are actually everyday people that struggling, you know, paying the rent in a club. Uh, and uh, they, I think they actually see that they could pull these things off, pull those things off, and if they see a competition doing something flashy, some in, you know cool inverts and stuff, it's fun to see. But I guess they would feel like, ah, oh, I can never do that, you know. Mm -hmm. So, so my stuff I think speaks differently to them. That it's actually I think if they see me in action, maybe they they a lot of people say, oh, this is very high level, and you turn your back and you know you have the feeling. But the way we're teaching this, uh, the also the I think. People can watch, and it was this year in the summer, Iceland, Defensive BJJ Crash Course. Uh, so the way we teach it, actually, it's very simple, and people getting really fast, uh, really fast results with uh, basic layers, just how to shut mm. their down, you know, how to keep your elbows, how to pummel everything out. And um, surprisingly, people are like, oh, shit, it's not actually hard. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing my stuff because I'm exploring I'm playing very open and very feeling-paced because, you know, I'm bored and I want to test how, how deep I can go so it looks more complicated, but that's, that's I can also teach, but that's, if you earn that freedom, you can also do it. I, I don't, I know it's not an advertisement talk, so to speak, but I think mm. in a grassroots level, the, the stuff that brings you a lot of benefits are, are those structures, the hawking, running man, turtles, pandas and transitions and actually people get like really confident really quickly when you would drill them right and they see the benefits oh now i survived whole six minutes so yeah so and i also understand that um, you know bigger coaches more famous coaches i don't know they're like oh why people have asked why i concentrate so much on defense you know that because the attacks are winning the game 
But mm. it's a really stupid question because if you're, it's like, you know, if you want to box in MMA without takedown defense, you're not going to box. So yeah. if you're, that's why Habib can run at people, arms up in, a, in eye level, you know, and just don't care because who's yeah. going to out-wrestle him, you know? So mm. because his defensive wrestling is so good, you know, and also I guess he can attack and he knows nobody's going to throw him basically. And so you can, you can be fearless. So defense is not sexy. Defense is not, we don't see uh, a lot compared to how much we see attacking sequences, uh, let's say in YouTube, in leg locks or Instagram, you know, or some cool submission chains. We don't see as much, you know, a lot of cool defensive chains. Uh, there's no Instagram account that shows like, okay, well, let's gather all the cool escaping scenarios, you know. Mm, and mm. Uh, it's not sexy enough, but I think it's actually the harder skill to manage. And uh, so if I make everyday people do like to survive and they get tapped less, they will end up having more fun and they, they stick to jitsu. I think it's a win, you know, and not everybody yeah. will be competitor. And uh, and so so I find that it's it's weird that I went after that in that sense that because I was solving a problem for me because what I had because the defensive ideas were were not studied and the answers that were given for, uh, by the people before me, I, I wasn't happy with, so I had to figure out. And mm. uh, I got hints here and there. And I basically, I tried to answer the question better for myself. And uh, surprisingly, there's a gazillion people who are, who are also has the same problem. So, so now, you know, now I'm getting, you know, all the information getting bigger also, because I'm talking to everyday people. Uh, and because clearly, if you're, let's say, if, if you watched Polaris, uh, clearly, you don't see people getting stuck because their guards are so good, and you know we don't see their, them them struggling so much. Maybe, uh, but mm. everyday everyday people sparring, you know, it's a different. You know, right now we have two best guys, you know, and then basically guard passes will never happen because they're everybody's guard mm. is so good, you know, and then mm. we get a cell uh, with a we get we get a wrong self of uh, we got a wrong sense that what we need is a you know maybe good better better guard but sometimes i think that the polish guy who actually did ankle lock there he had a really good side side control escapes also and uh, my always my my answer is always if you want to have an aggressive guard you better have very good defense in turtle in side control in mount so then you can be as aggressive as you want because if you make a mistake you can recover but for but if you want to try you have to be willing to make mistakes you know and then time mm -hmm. it better and time it better so defensive Defensive BJ is actually a foundation of as a solid attack for solid attack. So yeah, so so sense. it's a it's a I don't know I, if I'm rambling in a while, you know already the topic went like a little bit left with this but but uh, it's interesting effect so to speak that and I I think just it randomly happens because people are you know they really see what they need or something you know if if I put information out it it helps them and then they they're using it and they they talk well about it and they share it to their friends about it you know it just it just spreads uh, it spreads differently the, uh, compared to when they see a good technique you know in youtube oh this is a cool sweep they share it differently mm. uh, I, I i would it seems that that if they're using the turtle and if they, if they have like a elbows in and they're surviving turtle they will share it with their comrades differently then a cool sweep they can never pull off or pull off once, you know? So, yeah, yeah. so it's a, it's a, there's a different psychological effect in that. And I, and I also, I don't have a straight answer as, as you can see for that, mm. like why it spreads. Uh, I just feel like people feel it helps them more and they're automatically more, even maybe they don't know why, but that they're automatically drawn to it. And also bigger, I think bigger, uh, higher level guys, they have more doubts also. And, uh, you know, and uh, I've seen also some, oh, I don't know, if they see my stuff, oh, I'll still take you back. Or they have some way, I don't know, disbelief more. And then yeah. uh, then also people, are, oh, who uses that in high level? I would go like Eduardo Tellas, Jeff Clover, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know, there's more the defensive guys. So I can really explain Jeff Clover's game, you know, that... I might not be the like the the best way, but I can explain why it works because I can understand that he's he's amazing, 
And for every yeah. for everybody else, he looks like a, you know, like a, oh, this is very feeling based and crazy and a very attribute and uh, out of this world. I was like, no, you know, I can explain it. It's not very complicated. He's very good at this. And uh, yeah, you, yeah, you did a video, didn't you, where you you broke down one of his matches? I I, I tried, and then people kind of were annoyed about it. Like I did it kind of bad way, and their the feedback was oh. kind of trash. And, uh, I thought it was good. I yeah. thought it was really good. <laughs> I know, I know, but just I think I, I don't know. I was a little bit discouraged of the feedback, and then uh, mm. you know that YouTube comments are sometimes people are idiots, and uh, they always have something to say. And I was kind of thrown off by that, and uh, maybe I pick it up because I don't see a lot of people, you know, explaining his style from that angle that I do. But clearly, I don't didn't have like a you know nice video editing or all those things. I just you know, paused and rewind and did it again. And for me, it's the information that matters. But there was, I think, yeah, yeah. for people, it was more like a visual was shit, you know. So I was like, oh, forget uh, them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not you know, crying out loud here. But I was like, uh, okay. yeah, so I, I didn't felt that maybe the time was right, or maybe I want to do it better in that sense. So and uh, but it's interesting just to blabber in my head. It's interesting that we don't, let's say, there's no like big names, so to speak, using this or something, you know, that my system, it's, and you said it very well, it, it's in a grassroots revels in a smaller clubs, you know, mm. and then boils there kind of, and I think it's, I think it's even the smart way, you know. But you do see, this is what I find weird, is you don't see it necessarily um, in the high level BJJ matches, but you do see it in the high level MMA matches. I'm thinking of uh, mm. Kevin Gastelum, Robbie Lawler. They are, while they may have never studied your system or know who you are, they are doing the things that you're talking about at a very high level. And it, I, I, I don't know why it's why we see it in MMA so much and not in. It's interesting because usually, yeah, usually people say, "What about MMA? You get punched in the face if you do like Hawking." But uh, yeah, so Robbie Laurel Colby Covington match is a perfect example of that. Uh, Whitaker has used, I think, Sonny Brown. They did a mm. nice breakdown of Whitaker Turtle in MMA. You know, uh, I think Derek Lewis stands up from everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so te technical standing up. Yeah, yeah there, there is a lot of interesting enough evidence for that attitude. Um, mm. But I guess you know, if be, uh, that, uh, it depends also what they see, and you know, maybe uh, I didn't present it well in the early days, and uh, people thought that you know I'm just creating passivity and. And uh, you have to be active, active. And but I think every debate I will have, I think the opponent would lose. In that sense, uh, I know it's I sound too confident. That uh, <laughs> in that sense, if I say defensive BJ, it, it just makes sense to do it this way and not start with you know cross face underhook side control stuff. It just makes mm -hmm. sense to do it, and then we those, those cross face underhooks are already like more specific problems. They will arise later. But to start from there doesn't make any sense, and uh, mm -hmm. it it bothers it boggles me in a way that people don't see it the way I see it. But it's always everybody that has something different. It always says I don't understand why people don't see it my way. So so it's also understandable, and I like the grassroots stuff level because what I don't want it to to be a become a hype, mm. and uh, the bandwagon stuff and. Uh, and I really want that we will find every flaw. Uh, we will we will learn to teach it better. We will learn to talk about it better. And then if it's really ready, I would deserve the limelight. Like uh, I, I've done this uh, defensive stuff 15 years. And uh, mm. nobody, like I, I would say still I had clubs that work with, but it wasn't big and people didn't care about it. And so it blew up in like three, four years ago. So I also wonder whether people were ready for it because of people like me for me um when i started jiu-jitsu I, I needed some way to survive on the bottom and i i found videos of tellers and i i started like researching him and i changed my game to adopt this turtle um approach but but nowhere near to the the, the sort of way you know the depth that you went into and then when your videos turned up i was like ah like I was, I was already ready for somebody to to do this. I wonder if there's quite a lot of people who also did the same thing, and were looking at tellers, thinking, 
there's something here that's non-conventional that really works and then you 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 turn up with with a system <laughs> all ready to go you know Tellers is super hard to understand uh, mm. and now if you understand the way i play turtle i think it it's easier to understand so i i i'm lucky that i had a guy uh, a swedish guy named eric linden that uh, i i i was able to study two and a half years than to figure out why his turtle works is you know i don't think it was in the level of uh, tellers but it was in a level of I wasn't super annoyed with him, mm. and um, but he couldn't I, he couldn't teach the turtle. He did seminars, very technique based, very possibility based, and because I, I then I realized he doesn't know what he does, and he just does mm. it. Uh, he just does it. He's good at this, but to pass it down, he cannot say what's the essence, you know. And he was teaching mm. I do this, I do this grip, that grip, this sweep, that sweep, but then everybody was super confused. So, and it took us two and a half years to, to finally figure out the structure and the elbows and the hips and stuff. And then I asked him one day, like, is it this? He was like, yeah, this is what I do. I was like, God damn it. Why did you say it like two <laughs> years ago? And uh, because it, my, we studied him and that also helped him to understand what he does. Because sometimes people do and then other people figure out what they do and why it works. And mm -hmm. uh, tell us is... I don't know, it's a sad or, or happy, whatever, uh, situation that um, he doesn't show much why he's so safe. And that's the hardest to realize when you watch his matches against, you know, high-level guys. He's like, why the hell they don't take his back? Everybody, yeah, yeah. so, and, but you can't really pinpoint what he does. And he plays kind of open. And it's really, is a mm. really, I can, I can do similar things. I'm not saying I can do the same, but I, I can understand and I play similarly. I can be very open and still protect myself. And then it's super hard to understand what is the essence of what I do. If I teach my basic turtle, then it's, it's clear structure. You know, you have a, if you mm. see it, you can copy it. But if you see it in a very high level, you couldn't recognize it's the same structure. So, so I think, I don't, know why, I don't know why my mind works the way it does. And uh, I could pinpoint it. And then it was like people have said it before also. Oh, I have your DVDs and now I have Telus ones and now they make sense, you know. So now I can mm -hmm. add this battle-tested techniques that Telus provides, but that it laid on the structure that it's safe always. Well, that's uh, something yeah. that, that you, you don't really teach that many techniques, do you? You're much more conceptual. And then you, you don't, you, you've said on your DVDs before that you don't really like teaching escapes. You like people to figure those out for themselves. Yeah, but it's uh, because escapes are, the information is out there. I, I, some people get really annoyed by this, actually, when I say that. I'm sort of, that is not my job. You, you can clearly find like 100 videos on YouTube about the guard pool. And, and mm -hmm. it's not my job to teach you like the best one, because they all can work. And mm -hmm. what will work in what time, it's your to figure out. Uh, and then I honestly say to people, like, if... I do my half, you have to do your half. So I make you safe and somebody asks all the time in YouTube like, but how do I pull guard? I was like, yeah, take, take let's say, but it's not always possible if you're super lightweight, but let's say if you're like, a, you know, I don't know, 70, 80 kilos, take somebody, you know, 15, 20 kilo lighter and mm. start, to, start to practice guard pulls. Try it. Maybe they jump over your guard, do it, go turtle again, try it again. Because clearly you can beat the guy uh, if he's your level in that sense. And then uh, the winning and losing mentality is out of the question because there's no mental mental kind of pressure to win and lose. And you mm. should try, some, try them. And then uh, go YouTube, figure it out, take some techniques and try. And most people can do it. You don't need exact technique because you need to try first, fail, create context, and then those techniques make sense. Because mm. you understand why they're built that way. And there's like a gazillion ways to pull guard. Because the top top guy then can also move, you know, left and right and jump over your legs and go north-south and whatever, you know, different ways blocking you. Or, so it's not one answer. So I'm my, my thing is I'm providing people to, uh, to be safe. And so they're ready to fail and try and do it again. Because if there's no system to go back to, then... Trying and failing is a, is a kill decision because every time mm. you fail, it's a disaster. So yeah. I think logical would be that you have a system 
uh, in that sense, like a boxing guard that you punch and you miss and you pull your arms back and figure it out, punch again. But imagine doing boxing without that boxing guard that your arms are up, you know? It's like, mm -hmm. if you punch, where do you go from there? You have to just punch again or you get punched back. So there's no safety net. And the f failure is programmed into boxing because clearly you don't expect every punch to hit. Mm. But uh, so I would like to think that in jiu-jitsu also failure has to be programmed into the system. And then if you create a system that there's a safe spot, there's zero point we call, and then trying becomes fun because now you can try and fail and it becomes a game. And because you can always return to that point and try again. And that's the point of learning. You know, like a kid learns to walk they have to be like they they usually fall like I don't know a gazillion times because they learn to walk and imagine like they would have to do it in a first try so it's like impossible because it's a full body coordination and pulling guard is a full body coordination where's your elbow where's the if you want to pull guard where's your head where's your elbow what is the bottom leg does what the top leg does what the other top arm is framing you know it's a full body coordination and you're, you, they will have to teach you like one time and one try, basically. Like, and then if you fail, oh, sorry, you know. So, mm. so I would like to think that if you spend time on that boxing guard, so to speak, that then teaching punching is easier. Not easy, but easier because you have place to return to and you try it again. So mm. that's why those zero points, uh, the way you know the running man, turtle, pandas, they make sense. It's like a shield. You're behind. And who knows how you get out? That uh, first you have to survive because otherwise you're not. If you're, if you don't feel safe, then it's a little bit panicky, and then then you want to escape sooner than you have to, and then you make mistakes. And but uh, it's a different when you're safe, and you don't care, and you have answers to different situations, and then you can find a better way out. Of course, you know competition and you know time limit and everything will add extra pressure, but we're not talking about that at the moment. We're talking about in a gym environment. Um, so yeah. it makes just sense to do it in that way. I, I, it's very hard to understand for me that why other people don't think that way and uh, why people like to like like do side control the way they does. I really think that that part of the game is just really, there's no better way of saying that it's broken. And we have way better knowledge of attacks in jiu-jitsu and uh, Somehow the turtle and the side control and all those back escapes are the, I'm not saying the least studied, um, you know, areas, but they're, they're compared even to leg lock defenses. They are not that studied. And uh, clearly like a deep upper body submission defenses with uh, 10 different depth layer, they're not there. Some guys can do it, but it's not there. So mm -hmm. the, the that side of jiu-jitsu is, like tremendously understudied and uh so that's why i have a job yeah so <laughs> yeah i mean your approach does make sense to me i've been playing around with the hawking 2.0 um from the bottom of side control for a while now and i'm slowly developing attacks from there that are sort of growing out of having a safe posture um what I mean one thing that I've been working on quite a bit is is a kind of a hip throw. Um so if you if you imagine you're in hawking uh and the person is to your left and okay. you're looking away from them. Yeah. So they're 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 kind of behind you. Yeah. Um I, I find if I back into them with my hips, yeah, just keep going into them, I can just grab their the back of their head with both my hands and lift my hip up in the air almost and there's a kind of a hip throw. It, it's just something that, okay. Like I, I would never imagine this would ever work in my life, but I've done it now, more than once, and made it work. So you do find these things, just from from not being taught anything. Just have a position and play around with it. You you find surprising things. But I don't know if yeah. that makes any sense. No, no, that, because look at what happened to what what's now everybody everybody does buggy chokes now, yeah. 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 So, like. It's still, you know, in I think most lot, let's say, a lot of clubs, this is considered. Oh, this is a goofy jiu-jitsu, and you shouldn't do that. You put yourself in danger in side control. But clearly, people are winning like high-level matches in buggy chokes from side control bottom. You know, so mm. how goofy can it be? 
So, <laughs> yeah. and uh, most people don't do it. They have to like, oh, their frames and cross-face underhook position and they have to turn in to shrimp. And, but it's, and, but it's, it's sad, first of all. And uh, so I would consider like, let's say, I think that ideal side, side bottom system would allow for me to do everything that works. And so, so if I find something that doesn't fit the system, I will change the system foundation because if it clearly works, I would have to change it. So at the moment, uh, hawking and everything else fits perfect with the body, uh, buggy information. I can do mm. uh, Kimuras from bottom. I can, you know, so it doesn't contradict those things. I can play hawking, you know, uh, towards the opponent. I can turn away. So I, I can play it both ways, but it doesn't contradict. So as a position, um, you can prioritize in a way that, okay, pulling guard is, you know, as a beginner better. I would even argue maybe not. But uh, you can clearly go like, okay, there's, I can do bridge and roll, so I can pull guard. I can attack from there. And it's, you know, why not do everything that's possible? Why go like, no, no, this is goofy. This is not traditional jiu-jitsu. And from side control, we don't do it. And people go to competition and they're not ready that uh, people are limiting their expression of jiu-jitsu because they think it's a goofy and not traditional or or whatever their reason mm. might be why they don't teach it. I I don't actually think that way. I think those things are wonderful and uh, I don't know, just keep doing them. And uh, so so it really amazes me that the, usually the pushback I get from, you know, from escaping and but position and uh, you know from turtle clearly you can attack there's rolling sweeps and there's kimuras and stuff and and uh, from panda i think you can have some kimura attacks and stuff and clearly hawking we have like a probably a steam has to be that andre galvao with some it yeah. was a, i yeah. think it was set up in a kind of guardy situation but it was a, like a reverse triangle and it ended up in a kind of side control bottom situation like they usually do but i think it happened yeah. happened more in kind of guard situation but there's plenty of videos of people, you know, doing triangles from side control, getting people. And there's some Americana attacks, weird ones that you do with the legs, you know, to the opponent. Mm. And then uh, I think that should be studied and that shouldn't be goofy if it works. So what's your, yeah. Yeah. What's your sort of favorite? I mean, we don't we don't really know much about uh, Preet's uh, favorite submissions. What, 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 the, what are the kind uh, of things you go for? most? Seems like um, because I I. I know hawking a lot and it seems like that makes me better of catching a lot of Kimura grips mm. uh, because I don't train, I don't train attacks at all. Uh, let's say in a, in the right context, I don't, I, I, I develop, re, I d develop my defense and I research defense, but it seems mm. like if I know what to do in a bottom, it just makes it weirdly easier to understand what, when I'm in top, what I'm looking for. And um, so I get a lot of Kimura grips. I get I get uh, super many underhooks that people just uh, give me. And that's the, usually the first feedback I tell them that just don't give me underhooks because yeah. that then it then YouTube works. It's just I can do any, anything I want. Yeah. And it seems like understanding, yeah, what they have to do in bottom. Uh, uh, so it helps me to figure out. And these days I don't do so much Kimuras also, maybe one third. But two thirds of the time, I just go armbar. I usually do Kimura grip. Then I pick up the bottom elbow. So I really do not let them roll anyway. And then I put my legs over and then I pull both arms in, so to speak. So mm. their defenses are limited. I, I only pick it up because they give me that elbow. So usually I teach, I teach the whole system is meant to teach the high, the bottom elbows. So you only get like one arm if you even want to attack it. Uh, mm. So it's, then it's, it's the control is also different for a top person. Uh, but yeah, arm bars, weirdly, uh, I would like many years ago, I thought like uh, somebody asked me that question. I said Kimura um, and I still do some. But um, when I remember my you know, last rows in some six months, whatever, it's basically been definitely arm bars from side, yeah. from side control, side control top. Uh, yeah. Mm. And, and also I love wrist locks. So. Uh, <laughs> and um, not not in a way as my good friend Harto in the gym, but I do also wrist locks because a lot of people don't consider them. 
and I do them mm. very safely. I, I do I don't go like hard, but it's just mm. one thing that people need to also figure out how to defend, and uh, they're there. So so those things. I remember that just last week I just did I think three wrist locks. So that's so, cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I'm just. It just reminds me of. Um, I've got some videos of Hafa Mendes sparring in his academy, and I was really surprised that I'd say about half, maybe more than half, of all the submissions he actually did in these sparring matches were exactly what you were talking about, which was armbar Kimura into armbar from side control, you know, from the top, um, and it, and it does. It's just. It just. I don't know. There's something like it doesn't need to be complicated, does it? You know, the, the the submission is the the last part of the puzzle. It's not it's not where all the work has to happen, which is the setup for but getting the, there. But the, so, what I'm also very vocal about is, um, I guess if we make it's not. I think it's untrue statement in a way, but I will say it. I think if we would make jujitsu look the way it actually is. Uh, we would have a harder time selling it to people. <laughs> but what I mean by that is we sell... Uh, I don't sell that. But I, I think people are selling complexity to people. And, mm. um, you know, new attack, new this, new that, you know. But when you look high-level people sparring, what happens? There's a guillotine, there's a like a choke, there's a, you know, Kimura, armbar, those options, like, you, you know those submissions, you know. Occasionally, mm. we see something that's you know a little bit out of the world, out of this world. But mostly, there's no crazy gazillion version of arm bars you see you know in DVDs. Mm. It's just certain positions are people are attacking more from, and uh, they're they're just you can say it they're boring, but they work. But when you see what people are sold, like in every class, there's that techniques and stuff, and there's gazillion techniques. And um, you don't see half of them, even more than half in competitions, whatever matches you watch. So that's why I'm, I don't like techniques, because I think it's a, it's a misleading concept. Um, mm. So that's why I like more, I don't know, positions or, or the, but let's talk about defensive stuff. I like the positions. And then, you know, you have basically what you need is, let's say, in my system, so to speak, yeah, um, uh, is uh, those shields, understand how they work, and you need one escape. And uh, <laughs> that's minimum, yeah? And if you can keep, yeah. uh, let's say, if you roll with a black belt, and let's say if you keep 50% of time, you keep him at bay, and you do your one escape, you're a black belt. Mm. You don't need 10 techniques, you know? Mm. It makes it better a bit, a little bit, because you can, you know, mislead him, uh, misdirections and everything else, because you have more options they have to consider, you know. Uh, that's why you have jab, cross, hook combinations, because it's, they're harder to defend. Uh, but uh, mainly you don't, you just minimally only, ideally, you need one escape. And you just do it over, like, you know, like a tie boxing, low kick, you know. You just, mm. you need to have a good low kick and you will get respect, you know. And uh, you didn't. You don't need multiple awesome weapons, uh, but so that's why I ideally um, I, I enjoy my system that it's a it's a shield. It's killing complexity, kind of making it very simple fight, and then you have one escape. Or when you uh, tr train more jujitsu, maybe you have two or three, whatever. But you don't have to have like a gazillion techniques in side control top. The basis is you have to keep opponent in side control bottom. Uh, deny him uh, ability to pull guard. You know, it's trainable. You can still lose, but it's a sport. So so the, there's a guard. Yeah, Deny their ability to sit up, go to turtle, uh, and pull mm -hmm. guard. Yeah. So if you manage that, you will stay and you will stay in side control forever, In the you know, ideally. Then you will have a time to figure out how to do that Kimura, you know. So because, mm. um, you know, you would have to... The point is, you want to be good enough in Kimura, you could do it to everybody. But if you have a gazillion, yeah, sure. if you have a gazillion submissions, then all those submissions they need time to get better. So it just, yeah, it just prolongs your time. And I guess I'm not saying that you only need one attack, but but there is a limit of. I think you can know some, uh, but you don't need ten thousand attacks. I think it's a yeah, it's a misleading concept. And if you uh, if you watch like people doing spider guards, and uh, you know, 
they're they can keep the spider guard that's the fundamental that's what we should concentrate on and everybody has their favorite sweep so you the the essence is you you should have a good spider guard recovery and spider guard holding skills to develop mm -hmm. and then you need one sweep maybe it's something with michael longi maybe it's something romulo barra depends on your weight class and whatever but you don't need those 40 sweeps that people may be showing you it it just makes it look so complicated and confusing because even yeah. even they don't use those 40 sweeps you know they just know them yeah exactly and when you when you look at when you think about a like a sparring round if you spider guard you you pull spider guard you do your sweep and then you're on top and but the whole spider guard portion of the the round only lasted 20 seconds tops and then, then there's like f another five minutes of you being on top and uh, looking for submission, you know. Um, and also, it's a small percentage uh, yeah. of the game, isn't it? That yeah. you spend all your time training on that for only that twenty that twenty seconds of the yeah. the match. And just one thing, also, that's recently I was in Firenze, and uh, it's just a question you asked that yeah, I don't like teaching, you know, escapes or something. Um, mm. So one thing I said in Firenze. Also, some guy was, I was talking, I was teaching Hawking versus Kimura attacks. And uh, I was showing how Hawking works everywhere else also. Different, you know, gazillion other versions where Hawking is beneficial. And then the guy asked that, but how do I escape side control? And I was like, first of all, <laughs> I think, I think um, I, maybe I failed with the delivery because I guess that was the point that you know, you can't get tapped and then you can figure out, like I said, how to escape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take somebody lighter and then start to, you know, climb the ladder. But also I told him like, but why do you want to escape? Because I can show you side control where you're not in danger. So if you're not mm -hmm. in danger, why do you escape? Then let's kill the necessity. Let's do Let's say, let's kill the feeling of being in danger. And then it's a freedom. Yes, you can escape and also you can attack. You know, you can also just stay there. So, and then the strategy comes and maybe punches, maybe jujitsu, maybe time limit, maybe points. And then it, it changes a bit. But in essence, I, I, I know there's a way to be safe in a bottom. And escaping is just one of the options you can do, but you don't have to escape. So that's also that I find that people have a hard time sometimes wrapping their head around that why I don't like, you know, those techniques, because you're not in danger. And then I have to teach them that if you stay in Hawking, there's pretty much nothing they can do. Yeah, we're, we're trying mm. to figure out it against everything, lapels, jokes and stuff. And if you figure it out, you're not in danger. So now you're free to make choices. If you feel in danger, I clearly understand that you want to escape because you don't want to be there. So I think the... The, the, I, I like to think about differently about side control and that 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 all the positions I'm using and defensive stuff I'm do you know researching kind of seems to point that way. So I think it's if you mm. develop that freedom um, to not care, let's say like Jeff Glover, yeah, then yeah. you have a then you have freedom. You develop your donkey guards, you know, and then you go crazy. Then you can develop your artist side, you know really what your style because you're not bound by those old laws that teach you how to escape no you're free and then you can make your own choices and it's more pleasurable i think as well yeah um i when i when i train in the way you're mentioning i don't feel as stressed or as i know or as, i don't know what the word is maybe stress is the wrong word what's the word i think stress sort of, is good. everybody understands and anxious yeah, anxious maybe yeah. Yeah, like there's an anxiety when you're on the bottom of side control. If you're trying to really hard to escape and it's not working, it's just miserable. Whereas if you just make yourself safe and wait, and then suddenly you feel better. <laughs> and I, I, I get this all the time. Just recently, was Estonian Globetrotters camps was in Tallinn in, in the gym we rent times from. And then mm. I did my stuff against decent guys level, decent level guys. And they they all said like, God damn it, you're so comfortable in bottom. And uh, because they, they, usually they, they expect people to rush, you know, they want to be yeah. there. So they, they're using the mistakes they're doing. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't mind. I don't care. It's, a, it's not a waiting game. I'm not supposed to wait longer than you. I can also initiate something. But they always what they say is like, 
well, we, you weirdly relax in the bottom position and you're calm and you're very confident and it sometimes it throws people off because most people didn't want to be there, you know? I clearly, let's say, also I can say like maybe I don't want to be there, maybe top is better, but you, you know what I mean when I say I don't mind being there. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and so it's, uh, that's really weird feedback I haven't gotten. So I'm really being, uh, probably, yeah, it's a, it's a body language that they get from me. Yeah, and I mean, it. I, I like, I enjoy feeling comfortable on the bottom, but I don't enjoy it when you get the occasional person who will then, because they don't understand what's why you're not going crazy, they just sort of kneel on your face or, you know, or, or, or kind of do things that, that, that um, they're only doing because it's a jiu-jitsu match and I, I can't punch you, so they just kind of rub their elbow across my head or something, you know. You get the occasional person like that. Okay. How do you how do you deal with that sort of? Um, uh, I clearly situation? I pick uh, clearly I pick people that I wanna do. Uh, I wanna put myself in danger. Yeah. And uh, let's say um, a lot of people think that going rougher is answer to beating. Let's say my system. I usually don't like to call it my system, but let's call it mine. So if anybody mm. listening, so mine is always in a quotation marks. Uh, so, um, and then going rougher and rougher and then, you know, turning the jaw with the elbow, you know, elbow tip and putting like knees to the kidneys and stuff, because those yeah. things are, are there when, let's say the fender is a beginner and they don't know it yet. They're fully that mm. transitions and stuff and they're not confident and those things will happen. And I get, you know, messages, people, oh, somebody went to running man and they just put their knee to my kidney and I was helpless. But then the answer is, you know, go to Panda, transition to stick, and you move around, you know. So mm. the the progression has to be easy that you that, that you develop confidence in people. Not like somebody's trying it first time in a gym, and uh, you know you just rough them up by putting knee in a kidney. They're trying to they're trying it the first time, you know that. So we don't introduce this way the system also. So people get mm. like false negatives. So one thing is like uh, just pick uh, pick the people you want to train new things you know if you would tra if you would train late arbor defenses you would not pick the spaziest guy for that <laughs> yeah so yeah. you pick somebody lighter i developed my choke defense and a girl that weighs 60 kilos our gym you know the top female lizzie Vacht. i developed stuff on her so i can toss her around if i want and she's really dangerous i can i'm not physically in, in danger that she cannot you know manipulate her weight around me that puts you know my, I cannot, you know, put too much weight on certain ligament and it breaks, you know, I can still mm. manage myself under the pressure. So I de develop stuff on her. I don't take my size people and develop, develop stuff. I take them mm. uh, when, when certain things is super ready, I want to test it harder. And then I'm aware of also that how much I can take risks because they're, they're, they're heavier. So, so definitely take and, uh, you know, if somebody does that to me, it doesn't happen many times because, you know, you know, I'm a black belt and people respect you for it and they try to be nicer. Uh, mm. But I think it has happened a couple of times. And, you know, then I tell them that, you know, I can do that to you. Uh, so mm. when it's my time to be on top, so, you know, I can be also not <laughs> nice. So where where does it lead to? You know, if you you think your answer is putting me in my face then I usually I can take it and then do my thing. And then I usually point it out that, you know, don't do it. Uh, yeah. And then uh, so, so but I, but I know it's with me, it's different. You know, I'm a, a big guy. I'm a black belt. So people that have yeah, different respect towards me. And if you're like a white belt and in a gym trying something new, you will have you will have those problems. So I really recommend if whatever, whatever new you're trying, Try to take somebody not spazzy, talk to them what you're trying to achieve, um, like so they won't like you know crush you or whatever. You know, it's just they let you experiment and and then ask questions that what about this and that before you know that like, they could ask before, like, can I next round try to put the kidney uh, knee to the kidney and maybe try this way, not 100%, but can I try it so you would feel what you should do, you know? So there should be a communication, not like just spazzy guy putting that and then somebody gets injured and then it's my fault because I'm teaching running man, you know? Mm. So, so that's usually the issue. So I'm, I'm hoping uh, that people are responsible. 
And um, so, like, yeah, they tell people first what they want to do. I'm trying something new. So it's obvious. Uh, or yeah. take somebody lighter that if they even put their knee to the kidney, it doesn't hurt as much, you know. And then you go like, okay, to tap, but you're not getting injured. And you go like, okay, you ask a question from me, you're, you figure out how to transition yourself. So I think it's a problem people have, but I, 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 I don't see it's not, I don't see it's not manageable, I think. Yeah, I really like that approach to jiu-jitsu where you talk with your partner about what just happened, what you're trying to achieve, you know, yeah. what you're working on. Um, and it, I really, it, it seems to happen more in smaller classes. Um, when you get the bigger classes, for some reason, it turns into more of a competitive thing. I don't know whether that's just what I notice, but uh, I think that's that's a great way to train. I really like it. Yeah, because uh, some I roll with also in a, in a I rolled with some high level guys, and uh, then I ended up getting a lot of underhooks, and then in a mm. in a in a break between the roll, I asked them like, "What is your goal here? You know, why are you giving me underhooks?" Because because first I didn't, you know, I, I didn't go like, he gave me underhooks, I submitted them, you know. I, I get the underhooks and then I see what they do, you know, and then maybe keep them there a little bit so they would be aware of that I have an underhook, you know, that maybe they mm. want to fight for it. or And then if they don't get it back, then I armbar, you know. So, but mm. I give them time. And then I, then I asked him, like, what was the point? That do you want to give me underhooks or do you want to develop like a counter? When you have underhooks and uh, when so you give underhooks away and what to do if people counter that, you know. So, and then, uh, yeah, so we discussed about it. So I was like uh, curious and then, uh, but yeah, there should be a talk. And, but I understand also if, if you're different situations, you know, sometimes it's uh, about, you know, winning and losing and then people go crazy. So, so I mean, not in that stage. So, and uh, it happens more in lower level a little bit. So. So you really have to be careful that who you train with um, and so you don't get hurt. That's the first thing. Your safety mm. is the first thing that you will not get injured and you have to worry about your safety. So if you see a spazzy guy, just don't train those things with him, you know. Uh, yeah. And then also, uh, I think one way to use defensive BJ is also I use it. I rarely warm up for a rolls. Um, I'm not going to recommend that to people, but just this is what I do. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I use defensive stuff to warm up my body because I don't let people close to me. So I don't let anybody happen to me. And then, you know, they only get can be outside. I will not give them any underhooks and seatbelts. So I just use their body weight to make me warm because I have to resist the body weight. And then if I learn to trust them and I see their intent, then um, I, if they're nice, you know, not in like a like a you know like a noodle, but if they're nice, they understand the rules and stuff. So, and I I start to give them more. So so it helps me to also shut totally down that I'm not giving anything that you can go home with. You know, that uh, maybe you're dangerous. So I, I literally map you out. If you're if you're okay person, I will open up and we play a little bit. But if you're dangerous, mm. I just keep shutting down, and you're not getting anything maybe. So. Mm. This is also what I recommend uh, white belts. This is, if the, let's say you're a white belt, you're rolling with a blue belt, it doesn't make sense to go like, okay, now, you know, if they're really like white belt and blue belt, not like a four-stripe white belt and blue belt, you know. So if they're really level difference, so I usually recommend people to go like, use defensive ideas to balance the role. So if they're, if they're more aggressive and they try to like beat you up in, in a healthy way, in that sense, and mm. you shut down, you just defend, and you, you balance out the equation this way. And uh, then they realize that you want to play, so they have to ease up, and then you come out of your shell, so we can play. So if they want to go just the 10 submissions in a five minutes, you can shut them down if you do it well, and they don't get anything. So And their feedback is like, oh, you're so passive, it's annoying to roll with me roll with you then you can say yeah but be less aggressive you're clearly better the winning (laughs) the winning and losing is out of the equation because i understand you're better so i want to play with you i want to learn from you and i'm not trying to beat you you know but if it's a closer level let's say you know for four strike white belt and early blue belt you know they can go you know harder and stuff and they can test and it's a good test for a white belt in four four stripes you know that can test where they are and they can go harder you know so mm. I, the system can be used all different ways, you know, that 
then it's um, so there's a lot of beneficial side effects if you have that ability to shut down and then you open up as as much the game allows you to uh, so so because the point is not to be like shelled up in that sense the point is um, you know kind of to play uh, and you can use the system as, as is required and the fun, funny thing is you know people these days less but uh, earlier days more people accused me like oh I'm making people passive but if you watch recent competitions like Polaris mm. I think people are super passive Nobody takes risks. Something like it's a very some matches where I'm not criticizing the you know athletes and stuff. I'm saying about mm. passivity. It's a uh, there's no penalties in sports, so there's doesn't have to be like a crazy pace. So people take like a modest pace, but in modest pace, uh, everybody's a black belt, you know, and the mistakes are very mm. rare. Mm. So if the pace is higher, we have more mistakes. So. But people are being passive because nobody wants to push the pace. Maybe, they, you know, they get exposed and stuff and they put themselves in danger. So in a way, also, those people are just keeping their like comfort zone, so to speak, like oh, shutting them down for a greater threat, you know, like a, uh, what was the uh, Degla? Sorry, I don't remember the opponent's name, but Robert Degla fought, you know, and then it was really like, a, I think, interesting match. But in a way, they shut their game down. And uh, mm. it was like some some way both guys also like not very much engaging, you know. But it, this is mm. also a form of passivity. So um, and you can teach that game and uh, very competitive and very passive. But it also he, the other guy won the match, you know. So I wonder if the the rule set is partly to blame for that. Yeah, definitely. Well, because... there, there should be all pen, uh, like penalties and stuff. That and there's some going forward uh, motion, but it's uh, I don't think that's enough. They have to change the rules a bit. That. You really have to be aggressive in, with penalties, so so I think the passivity is is you know any uh, it's always there, and uh, higher guys are using it you know to to shut each other down, so uh, I'm doing it just in a defensive system and uh, you know and I don't think it's bad to be passive, it's just a tool you use and then you if you use it very extremely and if nobody's threatening you and you just always shut down that's not the point also you know. If somebody wants to play and there's not a big threat, why shut down? Play back, you know. But if there's a threat, you can shut down. So you have to use the tool accordingly. Well, Preet, that's been great. Thank you very much. Uh, I've really enjoyed this chat. I think we've covered a lot of uh, technical subjects there. Yes. Um, I feel qu I feel quite tired now. <laughs> <laughs> my pleasure. My pleasure. You have made my brain work. Thank you. Um, so if people want to find out about um, you and what you do where's the best place to go well of course social media the the jits vulcan Breed michelson facebook is i'm pretty active there it's it's a personal account but i i use it for business mostly and so i'm you know, yeah. you know putting my schedules there i'm doing posts and just also a little bit goofing around um so that is there uh probably jits vulcan also instagram is probably there and uh, my own, our own website, defensivebjj.com. So that is how mm -hmm. I work with people. And uh, so, you know, I'm in the forum and narrating stuff. And so that's my online platform. But uh, also do, for my work, I think to just see it, uh, a lot of stuff in uh, free in YouTube. So uh, there's a globetrotters.com site and there's a, there's a free stuff section. And there's also the, like in-action videos. So I have a quite big portfolio there that are like free videos from seminars, different camps. So, and also Globetrotters YouTube action, like you can find probably my videos. So it's it's not only everything is, you know, online or something like behind paywall. So it's, there is enough. And definitely the newer information, mm. newer videos are better. Older ones, they're good, but already we have changed some stuff. So it makes, to watch, makes sense to watch older ones. But so those, maybe they make more sense. Yeah, great. Um, and in fact, you're you're still doing seminars all over the world, aren't you? Yeah, right now it's it's weird that uh, it's I'm I'm sold out, basically till the mid June next year, and uh, so a lot, lot of you know some tours and some mostly weekends and some weeks also. So if anybody wants, you know, there's interest. I really think like people should think ahead. 
I know it's hard because of Corona and nobody knows what's going on. So it is what it is. But also I was surprised that I, I will I will get so many bookings. I guess there's a little bit like mm. a vacuum in that sense that people want to learn jujitsu and you know I we lost a year basically. So mm. so at the moment, yeah. So it's 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 hard. Maybe something you know some people cancel something. It opens up. I will let people know. But uh, I, th- I think it's a bad thing and good thing that I'm booked till May, mid uh, mid June. I'm booked in to see you at uh, Chris Payne's uh, gym in Stafford. Yeah, he has in the UK. I think I can. I think I told him Chris that I told Chris that he has to let me know when it's uh, like sold out because he sold out fifty uh, places. Then he added yeah. twenty, and I think only two or three are left. So and uh, that that venue is closed then, so I can. I can say like out loud, I can I, I sold out with the biggest venue I had. <laughs> yeah. So that was. Uh, I'm sure by the time this is out, it will be sold out. <laughs> yeah. So that's you know it's clearly uh, I'm very appreciative of that, that 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 people I guess seem to know my work more or whatever, and uh, I can I can have that opportunity to go and and do my job and there's actually people that want to listen to that so kind of you know warms my heart in that sense that I'm not talking to the empty gym. No, definitely not. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to seeing you anyway yeah. um, next year. So that should be fun. Um, and uh, I wonder how much new stuff they'll you will have created by the time we get to May. So that'll be interesting as hey, well. We never, and I, I honestly never know what's next. You know, we randomly figured out the uh, back stuff. Uh, like we added, oh, Hawking was in a back escape. We didn't know. So... Now I don't mm. know what's next. I guess I have my obs- obsessions that I have to fix, and who knows what comes out of those. So yeah, the May is actually the May is quite far away. So it's seven months. So it's a, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot of, uh, <laughs> some things probably can happen. So so w- then we talk. I think let's ask that question in a seminar, and let's mark this time right at the moment and see what actually happens, so we can talk about it later. Yeah, that's a good idea. I, lo- I love this um, learning through play and discovering things and being creative through through the aspect of play. And I think that's that's how we get so much good stuff. Yeah, cool. All right, thank you very much, Preet. This has been wonderful, and um, I shall look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, anytime. I'm happy to do it. Thank you for joining us. You can find out more about the Tai Chi Notebook podcast at www.thetaichinotebook.com You can support us by giving our podcast a positive review on iTunes and our page a like on Facebook. Just search for The Taichi Notebook to find us. Until next time, enjoy your training.